Hello and welcome to According to John. Today we have another great question, a controversial one, which I don't know. A controversial question, according to John? <laughs> go big or go home, that's what I always say. Go big or go home, baby, we're going big. Today we're going to talk about tongues. Is it biblical for churches today to speak in tongues in the church? Is speaking in tongues big, 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 biblical? <laughs> well, I tell you what, I'm glad to be tackling this topic today more than, say, 20 years ago because it's way less of an issue right. in, in uh, upstate New York than what it was. I have great uh, pastor friends who, mm, yeah. who don't see it exactly my way, but it's just kind of balanced out, in my view, mm-hmm. in my place. And uh, it's just not the big issue that it once was. And I'd also like to frame it up this way, that Jesus said, you must be born again or you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And my charismatic Pentecostal friends, they are born again people who sure. love the Lord Jesus. Who yeah, are mo- saved most of them are. I, th- I think grace. Just I think, like some Baptists aren't saying. Exactly. You know? I was going to say, I think it's, I think it's uh, the numbers are going to be the same in a Pentecostal church for salvation as they are in a in a Baptist church for salvation. So this is a family discussion. We're all in the right. family. We all have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're saved. And uh, I remember back when I first started our, our church, 1978, here in uh, the capital region, New York State, that uh, when our people would get saved, they were mostly coming out of Catholicism, mm-hmm. financed by grace, not by sacrament. Pentecostals and, uh, would, would flood you. Yeah. It, it, and uh, when, I had the same problem. Yeah, when we when our people would come to Christ back in those days, Pentecostals were were more militant than they are today. I'm going to talk about where that I think that all changed, and I think it was all wonderful because I think they're mostly seeking people. And Jesus said, "If you seek, you're going to find." So, just one of those obstacles to wade through. What does the Bible really say about this? Because it has been confusing. I had to wade through this thing as a young preacher. I had a, I dated a Pentecostal girl when I was in Bible college from Houston, Texas, and she was beautiful. <laughs> so, she. So did she speak in tongues with a southern slang she did and uh (laughs) with a twang uh, yeah she i had to teach her that duke is a one syllable word you know duke Duke. that had nothing to do with her pentecostal theology it's just her texas but but i i wanted so bad to to kind of connect on that with her because she was beautiful right but we never did totally connect but we didn't never disconnect at hearts because this is a a minor issue well it should be a it should be a minor issue um, it it seem it seemingly is today compared compared to yeah and I'm so thankful yeah. for that. Well, open us in a word of prayer, and then we're gonna we're gonna dive into the scriptures okay. because that's where it's gonna matter. Let's pray, Father in heaven. We pray your Holy Spirit, uh, who gives us gifts, who advances the kingdom, who comes to live inside of us, will guide uh, this time of Bible teaching. We thank you uh, for our Pentecostal charismatic uh, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ who might not see it our way. We thank you that there's a unity of the Spirit. And this is not the divisive thing that it was uh, 40 years ago. And we pray for the unity of the church. We pray for the discernment of your spirit concerning this topic, that it would just draw us closer together and not drive us apart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Here's the beautiful thing about speaking in tongues, and, and a lot of people don't know it. One, one of the sad parts we were talking about, it's not as, as divisive as it used to be, but I actually had a family leave my church a couple of weeks ago uh, over this very issue. Two issues. One, because I said Copeland is a wolf in sheep's clothing. I still stand by that today, by the way. Yeah, I stand by that as well, and it has really nothing to, at all to do with spiritual gifts. 
right on this topic i would separate that on a whole nother issue and that's a whole nother yeah whole, we'll talk about it which by the way we will discuss down the road i made that statement and then i said we don't speak in tongues in the church we just don't do it i'm going to tell you why we don't do it and so i took this family to first corinthians chapter 14 where paul clearly clearly says not to speak this in the church five rules for tongues in the church in first corinthians 14 so here uh, we're going to read this some lengthy scripture today hope not to have it too awful long but it's the whole it encompasses i know we have acts and isaiah that we're going to look at as well i want to see the history of the whole thing yeah because in the rebirth of it we we got to know it yeah it's that which is divine has no fear of rational inquiry. Amen. So it says in chapter 14, verse 1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now, we also have to understand that word prophesy in this passage. It doesn't mean to uh, foretell the future. It means to foreclaim. Yeah, foretell. Truth. That's so, what we're doing right now. Exactly. We're prophesying right now. We're, we are foretelling the truth of the scriptures. For the purpose of of clarification and edification to build up, not to tear down. Got to build up the, the church and edify God or to glorify God. Verse two, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Basically what he's saying here is the one that speaks in tongues, <clears throat> there's no benefit because nobody's understanding anything. The, but the one who prophesies or forth tells uh, uh, the word of God is edifying man and exhorting and comforting men. The word of God brings comfort and exhortation to men. So we see what Paul's telling us here. Speaking in tongue, there's no benefit to, but telling people the truth about the word of God, that's where everyone grows. Verse four, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church because if you're speaking in tongue nobody understands you there's no where's the benefit that there's so much that's a loaded verse that explains so much that that he that speaks in tongues edifies himself that's a rebuke yes i'm not out to go in the corner and edify myself i I build myself up in my whole, whole most holy faith by reading the word of god in prayer yes the whole purpose of spiritual gifts we're going to see in the text is to profit who? The there whole body. We want the body to be edified because if the body's edified and strengthened and encouraged and learned, they can go out and prophesy and teach others this, and bring them in. This whole chapter is a rebuke of the misuse of this uh, spiritual gift at that time in the apostolic church to cause the unbelievers to become believers, right. to, to uh, authenticate the message of, of Jesus. It was a, a supernatural thing. And I'll let you finish this, Pastor. I'm going to kind but, of But think the... about that. This is a rebuke. Paul is upset, and, and it actually starts to show in verse 5. What they're doing wrong. What they're doing wrong. This is not the work of the Holy Spirit. So he says, I wish you all were in first Corinthians chapter 14, verse five. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. And so he's like, listen, I wish you all could speak in tongues, but the reality is 
you're doing it for your self-edification. There's no benefit to the church. I'd rather you prophesy or speak truth of the word of God and uh, so the church will grow. Don't speak in tongues, man. You got the wrong Communicate clearly so people yeah. can understand the message. He says here, I wish you would all speak in tongues. The prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless indeed he interprets. Well, one of the interesting things is in, in all the Pentecostal situations that I've been in, nobody has ever interpreted. So here we go. Verse six. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall it profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying or by teaching, even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? I love the analogy that he gives here. He says, well, then he goes on verse eight, for if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare himself for battle? Yeah. When you hear trumpet, you know, it's a trumpet. You don't, you're not confused. If you hear a guitar, you know, it's a guitar yep. and this whole, and, thing, and when you hear the trumpet, it, it is that the battle cry that it makes for everyone to, you know, do, 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 it's time. It's time. We got to go. I mean, you know, there is grab your sword. It is full of information. That's for everyone that hears it. Yeah. And not only when the trumpet sounds, but there's information in, you know, revelry yes. means this and taps means that, Yes, and, you know, and so the, the trained ear, when they hear that trumpet, they, they're getting instruction. Even people that aren't in battle understand those sounds. Yeah. That was all part of the culture. It's all part of it. If you heard the trumpet, you didn't have to be a soldier to understand that it was either going to war, someone died. What I mean, it has, it is distinction, reason, purpose with a message. Yeah. Clear message. Clear message. Not confusing. Exactly. God so it's not the author of confusion. confusion. And I love the fact that, that the trumpet, you know, cause we use it today, right? Or we've used it all throughout history. And it, it all goes back to the Bible. Mm -hmm. All right. Love it. Verse nine. So likewise, you, Unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. In other words, it's useless words. There's no benefit here. Verse 10, there are, it may be so many kinds of languages in the world and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, and do that right there, Paul clarifies it right there. People were zealous for gifts. And the easiest gift to get that would look like something really spiritual is speaking in tongues. Because mm -hmm. anybody can do it. Shum baka laka laka boom. There you go. <laughs> you know, I, I know some sincere Pentecostal people and their view is speaks in tongues and yeah. somebody interprets that it's, it's, it's a word directly from God. Well, right. the entirety of the Bible is a word right. directly from God. Right. When God closed out the Bible, what's the last thing he said? Don't add to it. Don't take from oh, it. The right. word of God is all sufficient. People who view that uh, ultimately and take that interpretation would hold up tongues as an addition to the word of God. Right. And, that and that's dangerous. Me because that can go in any kind of direction. We know that not one scripture ever right. contradicts another scripture. Never. And I've also noticed in the movement that those that are really in the tongue, 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 and what it used to be back early in my ministry, you just had people that was in your face. Right. They would literally say, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. My new converts in our church would get attacked 
uh, by those that were were Pentecostals. Like, well, okay, you say you have Jesus in your heart, but you don't have the Holy Spirit yet because if you had the Holy Spirit, you would speak in tongues. <laughs> and my people would get all confused. Right. And, boy, I haven't had a Pentecostal come across any of my people in the last 25 years of that. But that was regular. That Every right. one of my converts went through that. When I started the church here 14 years ago, matter of fact, August made 14 years that I moved here. This month makes 14 years that we started a church, the 29th. I was there. I remember. Yep. 14 years. We were younger men. <laughs> when And I actually had more hair. But at any rate, when I started the church, they flooded me. They were coming from everywhere telling me, you need to have a healing line. You need to. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. You need to speak in tongues. Or the family that left the, the, the lady had an issue because I, I wouldn't allow speaking in tongues in church. And I'm like, yeah, but here's what the scripture says. So verse 12, even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you may seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Don't even know what I'm saying. You don't know what you're saying. And the one listening doesn't Nobody know else. what they're saying. So, and I love Paul. So what's the conclusion? <laughs> like that's verse 15. Paul says, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say? Verse 17. For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God. I speak in tongues more than you all. And, and what he was referencing there is his education. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because you don't even know what you're doing. You're yeah. having a great time. You're confusing other people and you're dividing the church. Yeah. And he's like, look, I, I speak with more tongues than you all. I think he knew like five languages, they, they say. And he's kind of saying that this ain't no big whoop. This isn't defining and should not define us because yeah, it's who, destroying the church. Yeah, who am I? And if I have the gift, it's from God. And if it's dividing you and confusing you, that's not the work of the Holy Spirit at all. So he goes on. He says in 19, yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. That nobody understands. That nobody understands. Brethren, do not be children in understanding, uh, which in other words, grow up, grow up. <laughs> He's just trying to be nice. I was, that is so unusual for me. And it's usually the other it's, way around it's usually me. That's the, yeah. And you're like, grow up, suck it up, man. <laughs> you... <laughs> I've been hanging out with you, Johnny. I'm learning. Amen. And amen. <laughs> Brethren, do not be children in understanding. Grow up. However, in malice, be babes, uh, be in other words, be innocent. Don't attack be sincere, others. be sweet, yeah. be gentle. Yeah, yeah. Don't attack. But in understanding, be mature. Be mature about what I'm telling you. And then he goes Which is on. a statement saying that you're not mature. You're, you're, not. you're out of touch. This is not the work of the spirit. It's divisive. It's confusing. And it's going to come up to an reverse or so. God is not the author of, of confusion. confusion. Yeah. And, uh, but you're right. It's divisive, man. So here in 21. In the law, it is written with men of other tongues and other lips. I will speak to this people. And yet for all that, they will not hear me, says the Lord. Let me jump in here. That is a quotation from Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11, 600 years. See, we're putting scripture with scripture. Well, that's in the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah. This whole thing that 
Nobody even knew what tongues were. Well, Isaiah right. writes this down. He's looking in through the quarter of time. He's looking to the time of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. He's prophesying of this huge event where the Holy Spirit came upon the early the new church that Jesus had established. He said in verse 10, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. He says it twice. Here a little, there a little. That's how God was advancing the knowledge of himself. That's how God is adding to the canon of Scripture. This is how God is speaking incrementally. I spoke in uh, to through this prophet, the next prophet. I spoke through Moses. Then I spoke through Joshua. Mm-hmm. This is how God done it. How God has always done it is how God's always going to do it. Then he gets very specific. He, he takes all of history, how he's done it, verse 10. Then it gets very specific, a prophecy. And when he writes this down, the nation's like, what does that mean? And I think Isaiah said, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. (laughs) And for 600 years, they're like, I don't know what that one means. And then the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, they spoke with Acts chapter 2. And And we're actually going to look in Acts chapter 2. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, all the 600 years later, it's like, aha, it says, and that's this quotation, you just read it, it's requoted in 1 Corinthians, but it says, for with stammering lips and another tongue, that, that word means languages. Right. Yeah. It, a language that you don't really speak. Yeah. I really but it, don't. But it's a known language. It's a known language that other people, somebody speaks it, right. just not me. For with another tongue will he, God, speak to this people, the Jewish people. It's very important. And it's like, well, this is how God's going to speak to them all the time. He'd never spoken to them in that way right. before. They got to wait 600 years before it even happens the first time. But when it happens, the people are like, that's what Isaiah was talking about. Yeah, that's Isaiah uh, 28, 11, and 12. Yes, sir. Yeah. Look, look, look watch that little pop-up. Booyah. How about that? <laughs> man, we're on top of this Bible thing, man. Yeah, because you had that without ever seeing that. So usually, I'm usually the one dragging the scriptures, and today it's now me. you're in, man. You you I'm got on a roll. I'm on a roll. <laughs> Verse, <laughs> <laughs> Verse twenty-two. Therefore, because of everything that Dookie just said, therefore tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. That is, God, listen, Duke, this is the, this is the crux that I think uh, the Pentecostals miss. And, I, and I'm not trying to slam, please, this, I'm not trying to be rude. What, I, what I'm saying is, <clears throat> verse 22 says, Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. Because the tongues were used to teach the scripture so that it bring understanding and it bring lost people to the cross. And when you look at the history of this, you have that aha moment. It's like, ah, that is so simple. So what's, what's happening here? When you, when you fast forward to Acts chapter 2, I know we're getting there, but I can't wait. I know, I know, but, but you're, I'm going to hold one more break because I want to finish this. this, okay. Last, this okay. Just verse 22. I'm in the blocks. I'm ready to come out. And then you're going to be in that, and I'm going to let you go. Okay, here we go. Because he says this, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers so that they would understand truth of the word of God. But prophesying, telling people scripture, prophesying, telling people the truth about God. Teaching, preaching, forth, forth, forth telling is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Because only believers can forth tell the truth of God because the rest think it's foolishness. Paul clearly says, listen, for, for churches that speak in tongue and that keep it 
in their church that it's all between the saved. That's unbiblical. Separate from what the scriptures say. It's just some kind of a phenomena that could be generated by human uh, spirit or or even worse, perhaps demonic spirits to just confuse Mm -hmm. because Satan wants to divide the church, confuse the church. And so it's a phenomena, which is interesting, when you study the occult, that same phenomena happens there. It is. And well, that, I, that frightens me a little bit. Steve Pooley used to be a pastor over here in uh, off of Hayes Road at the AG Church, and they were doing a skit. It had fallen apart on them for whatever reason, so he reached out to us, and he said, hey, can you— can you guys help? Can you send some people in to help us with the skit? And I, and so we sat down. I said, well, we need to talk first because there are assemblies of God and we're more Baptist. You know, we say we're non-denominational, but we're Baptistic in theology. So we're, we're Baptist. Uh, I said, listen, we, we need to talk. And so we sat down and we talked and I said, uh, I'm going to be bringing uh, about 20 of my people over. That means if, if we're going to help you, I need you to help me. No speaking in tongues. That's all I'm asking. Listen, it's your stuff, your production, you're the boss. But if I'm bringing 20 people, no speaking in tongues. And he said this to me, he goes, John, you don't understand. That's our tradition. And I said, well, it's one thing to have tradition. It's another to be scripturally accurate. So the reality is I'm not trying to be mean. I don't give a rip about tradition as much as I care about being scripturally accurate. That's where, and, and, and he agreed and, and man, it came out beautiful. People got saved. It was, it was a wonderful time. Yeah. And it was two churches that we didn't line up a hundred percent, but we love one another. That's, that's huge. That's what the whole promise keepers movement was about. It was kind of 50, 50 Pentecostals and Baptists and uh, non-denominational evangelicals. The Pentecostals kind of laid aside their view of the of the gifts and embraced uh, just kind of laid it aside. They didn't have to change their theology. They just and, and, the, and the Baptists laid aside their judgmental attitude toward yeah. And we got together tongues. as God's family and lifted up Jesus, and heaven came down, and thousands of men were saved through that movement. And then uh, that's where I think there was a real kind of. Cause I used to have uh, people say to me, well, you don't have the Holy Spirit because you don't speak in tongues. Right. Like, yeah, I have the Holy Spirit. That's who turned me and gave me power to get off uh, drugs and the whole movement and, and change my whole life. And I've not had a Pentecostal say that to me in 25 years, 20 years. So I'm grateful. So that the gap has closed. It has. And it, I'm it, thankful yeah. for that. And this teaching is what has helped close the gap. Most people's struggles are not with what they believe and what the scripture says. People's struggles are not with what they believe and what the scripture says. Their struggles are surrendering what they believe to follow the scriptures. It is, it's not, they're like, oh, yeah, I read that. Yeah, I know this is the way I feel. Their struggle is relinquishing one and accepting the other. Yeah. So I've just seen this whole gap close. Uh, uh, and just, it's not the issue. I'm still, th- I have a couple Pentecostal, uh, pastor friends that are just godly, wonderful men. And we don't fuss over this at all. And they, I, they've told me that, you know, this whole topic used to be prominent in their thinking and they say now it's barely incidental. Right. And I think that's amazing. Let's look at Acts. You were getting ready to go to Acts chapter two. <sighs> yeah, this is so amazing. This is where the, I had my aha moments. So I was a young right. Christian trying to figure this all out. Be, because back. verse 22 literally 
22, tongues are for a sign, not to those that believe, but to those that believe not. And this is where that prophecy from Isaiah 28, 10, and 11 is going to happen. 600 years have passed. Nobody knew about tongues. God's carrying out his ministry for 600 years. No tongues, no tongues, no tongues. The whole ministry of Jesus has happened. No tongues, no tongues, no tongues. No tongues. But Jesus, while he was here, was doing miracles. Why? To authenticate the message. Right. No the man can do the miracles that you do unless God be with him. God well, God had always done that. They didn't believe Moses when he was speaking, representing God until he did the miracles. So God, what is God doing here? What he had always done. He, he accompanies his prophets, his son with signs, miracles, and wonders. And now uh, Jesus had ascended. They waited. He said, wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. You will be endowed with power. Power to do what? To preach the gospel. Power to be witness of me. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. And so this is the power day. This is when God hits the power switch for the church. Isaiah set him up. It's going to look like this. Something's going to happen. It's going to be something you have never seen before. But when you see it, it's like, aha. Mm -hmm. And now you got Jews there. Yeah. It's Pentecost. It's one of the big Jewish holidays. Yeah. And the whole Jesus thing had come and sort of gone and he had risen. And a lot of people were following Jesus. And the Jews come and they'd heard about Jesus. to see the real deal. They killed him. Some say he rose. They're Jews that are seeking. They come to Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes. Peter steps out. He speaks in his own language. No doubt it's Hebrew. Now, I'm Hungarian, but I grew up in America, so I speak English. I don't even know how to say hello in Hungarian, okay? <laughs> right. But I'm proud of the bloodline, and, and uh, Golumpkis are very good eating, so right. we'll just leave it there. <laughs> I want a Golumpki. <laughs> what is a Golumpki? It's stuffed cabbage. I just gave oh. it an old world name. So. Yeah, stuffed <laughs> Yeah, they, they have other names for them in, in Okay, I love. Stuff. I just like to confuse you. I, I love Golumpkis. It doesn't ahead. take much to change to confuse you, you know. <laughs> so, so here it is. Pentecost is there. Jews come from, uh, I think, sixteen different nations are named here of people speaking groups. Start, starts in verse ten. It's actually well, and it names these people groups, and these are just not. They're all Jewish by bloodline. They're all Jewish by faith. But a Jew that comes from Italy speaks Italian. Right. A Jew that comes from America speaks English. A Jew that comes from Russia speaks Russian. So you got these 16 different Jewish language groups that are there. And Peter stands up and preaches, yeah. and they yep. all hear him in their own language and God supernaturally transcended the language barrier. I don't know if it's a, a miracle of the tongue, a miracle of the ear, a miracle of the brain, but something happened that day that was so clearly from well, God. I, I think it's a miracle of the ear because in verse seven, they all yeah, it says, then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? And then it starts listing the different groups, the different, different groups. languages. And you see here, you back off, say, well, what happened that day? Unbelievers became believers in mass. And that's exactly what Isaiah said. I'm going to speak with the gift of tongues. With the gift of tongues, I'm going to transcend language barriers. Yep. And the people are going to know. I mean, when Jesus healed people, they knew he's from God. And well, when and, the apostles. This was the beginning of the spreading of the gospel right here was the beginning. It exploded. Yes. And it, it had to go to everyone. Everyone had to hear it in their own language to repeat it. But it's really neat because God said, I'll speak to this 
people. That's the Jewish people. These are all Jews here. Now, the Jews are going to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Right. And when the Jews are like, well, it was hard for them to believe. Does God love Gentiles too? It was a little hard for them to, to accept. So Paul's up at uh, Corinth. Uh, no, he was at uh, Cornelius uh, at Caesarea. And there's a band of uh, Gentiles, mostly Italians. <laughs> My friend, Italians point that out. They're Gentiles and uh, they're, they're pagans. And, yeah. uh, but they, they knew about Judaism and, and, they, they, and God's speaking to them. And they sent for Paul, uh, or so they sent for Peter. Sent for, sent Peter. for Peter to come. Yeah, but you know Peter's so slow. Three times again here before he goes, he's got to get. He's got God's got to get that thing to him. You know, the, don't you call unclean what I call clean? You're going to go up and hang out with some Gentiles. Yeah. You're Lower, have, lowering down to the sheep. You're going to have your lowering first BLT sheets. sandwich of your life. <laughs> you're going to have ham and cheese, yeah. dude. Yeah, and your Jewish friends for, are going to totally freak out. But yeah. just follow me, yeah. okay? He's going in for seconds. Yeah, too. you're going to like it. You're going to like it. So he goes up there, and uh, knowing that. God had supernaturally sent the people who were looking for Peter or Cephas to come and tell us. So Cornelius, are you, you're sent from God. What, what's up? And so he preaches the gospel to them. They believe, and there's Gentiles there along with Jewish preachers. Jewish Paul had a Jewish team, or Peter had a Jewish Peter, team. Yeah. It wasn't just Peter. It was a group of them. And the Jews marveled because they heard the Gentiles speak in tongues authenticating the message that they had just heard. And it was something that the Gentiles are like, whoa, this is something going on here that we can't Cannot explain, explain outside of God. So what is God doing here? What he always does, authenticate the message with signs, miracles, and wonders. And of course, Peter took that message back to the church of Jerusalem. They got a little mad at him. You had a ham sandwich? Yeah, when I'm with the Jews, I eat, I eat kosher. And I'm with the Gentiles, we have a BLT. You know what I'm saying? It, God was a, a awakening the church through this phenomena called tongues. Well, and, and he, even, he even had to tell them in verse 15, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 15, for these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel and goes back and talks about how they're going to hear in their own language in the tongues. And, and Joel so said, the spirit, God will pour out his spirit. In the la it's interesting. They call those days the, the dream, whole church the dreams and the, and the dreams. And so yeah. that was being fulfilled right before yeah. their eyes. And I'll tell you, the simplicity is this. Those that were there, when Peter was at, at Caesarea, they spoke in tongues. Those that were there on Pentecost, they were all Jews. There was always Jews present to speak to this people for the purpose, supernaturally transcending language barriers so that unsaved people could be saved. Could be saved. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. And then what happened between Acts and Corinthians is they abused... The, the tongues. Yeah, they they got excited about it and mania lahama sabaktana. You know what? So, but there was one See, more. See, that's prophecy. that's your that is your as my tongue. Your tongue, my tongue is shum bakalaka boom. <laughs> the um, Jesus after the resurrection was commissioning his church in Mark sixteen, yeah. and he said these, and he names five signs shall follow them which believe in my name. Now, were they permanent signs or were they Temporary signs. When you came to the region, when fifteen years ago, fourteen, fourteen, this month. I came to the region forty-two years ago. My only authority, our only authority, is the word, the word of, of God. God. I don't have the 
ability to do supernatural things. I don't walk on water, except maybe the pond in January. I've done that before. (laughs) But he said, these five signs shall follow them in my name. They'll speak with tongues, uh, uh, casting out uh, demons, uh, uh, healing all manner of sick drinking of deadly poison and then snake bites and snake and snake bites and all Which, those by are, the way was for for those apostles uh disciples specifically not for us today don't go out and say i can i can drink poison and it won't hurt me because you're going to the hospital if you make it yeah snake bites and you have the snake handling people uh, <laughs> you know and they somebody get bit and, and die some of yeah, them and why are so they always sad. shocked when they get bit and die yeah it's uh and so it, those are temporary signs right gifts These to show signs. people that god was using them to authenticate uh, to the authenticate message. the message to, to give them credibility and then he specifically said in first corinthians not by faith hope and charity's grace this is love but he said tongues will cease because they won't have a purpose exactly the purpose will have been fulfilled right. we said we see through a glass darkly but then we'll see face to face the Bible was in the, the New Testament was in the process of being written. They, they, God was adding to the canon, C-A-N-O-N, the canon of scripture. Right. The gospels are written. And then, you know, uh, the book of Acts are written in Paul's writing, the uh, Pauline epistles to the churches, the church epistles, and then uh, the general epistles of uh, Peter's writing a couple, uh, uh, Apostle John's writing three, Jude writes one, and, and John writes the book of Revelation. And I think it was Paul that wrote Hebrews, but well, the author of Hebrews, I think it was Paul. Yeah, I'm not even going to try to argue that because uh, you know what actually sets that up for me is Paul is a huge sports guy. <laughs> and and if you look at Hebrews, man, his analogies are all sports. Yes, we wrestle not. I, I know, right? And I'm with you. I know some are like, no, it's not Paul, but I'm going to. I'm gonna, uh, I think it is Paul, but yeah. we'll, he'll show us. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the, the amazing thing is that God just did it his way yeah when he was giving added revelation right. the knowledge of himself the writing of the word of god he always accompanied it with signs miracles and wonders so you know, that the authors of the scripture the people who were there who could see them knew these are men of god yep yeah it, it just gave them credibility it was, that's all it was to authenticate right. the message right. when the message was complete revelation 22 god said don't add to the scripture don't take away from the scripture god's revelation to man is complete and then those apostolic sign gifts historically ended right. and there, throughout church history from the close of that first century you have not those five signs. Which, by the way, also, there are no apostles today. Yeah, the apostles was a temporary, temporary. position. Yeah. The, those sign gifts were temporary. Yeah. Now, now the apostles, even to be the apostle, first off, you had to be picked by Jesus. You had to be taught by Jesus. And you had to witness, I witness. Of the resurrection. The resurrection. Of Jesus. So, I think it was even from the baptism of John too. So but, even yeah. even well even if even if people go well uh, I was picked by Jesus the Holy Spirit and I was taught by Jesus the Holy Spirit. Yeah, well you didn't witness no resurrection so you're not an apostle. <laughs> it, it's you know men just love to fuss. I men know, like to try I to know. be somebody among the brethren. And I know. Jesus and so, says, man, that's the opposite of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's what Paul leads the gifts of, of tongues to believe is that you're doing this for attention. 
And to call yourself an apostle, you're doing, that's for position. And by the way, if we remember when we did the podcast on the ways that man can sin, it was lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride, pride of, of life. life. And it was all about power, power, power. Even in the church, Diotrephes loved to have the preeminence, and he was rebuked. Let he that be great among you be a servant, servant. a doulos. And we don't seek to be prominent. We seek to be uh, a servant. Yeah. God doesn't measure greatness the way man does. No. So, and, my, and, and God doesn't look at man the way man does. God looks at man at the heart level. We look at the man at the stature and, and, and appearance. You know, if I could just put this into a simple package, God spoke through his servants, authenticated their message with signs, miracles, and wonders, and they wrote the Bible. And then the Bible is the authority. There were great periods of time, even in the Old Testament, it says the word of God was precious before there was no open visions in those days. And God would stop, and then he would resume the, he left up another prophet, maybe like Elijah, and he would do miracles for the purpose of authenticating the message that yep. God was adding to and, the canon. And a lot of these miracles uh, God did to authenticate the man that's sharing the message. One and the same. It's all the same. The man and the message. It's how he always did it. Yeah. So now. Yeah, because if the man's not authenticated, you can forget the message. Yeah. And my Isaiah said specifically, I'll speak to the Jewish people who are unbelievers for the purpose of causing them to be believers. And they had no clue. I don't think Isaiah had a clue what he was writing. And then brought up the prophecy by Joel that in the last day, they'll, you know, men, young men will dream dreams and old men. And I forget how that goes. But that was all fulfilled on Pentecost. And then Jesus kind of added a, just, be, you know, just a few weeks before Pentecost, Jesus gave that prophecy after his resurrection. They'll speak with tongues. And the disciples are like, is that what Isaiah talked about? Stammering lips and another tongue i don't know and they waited and and pentecost came the holy spirit came just like jesus said yep. and a miracle happened that day it was a supernatural transcending of languages and the result was what exactly what god said unbelievers became believers, believers. and the message went out the message went out and there was three other times in the book of acts where tongues uh happened that are recorded. I'm sure there was times when it wasn't recorded. And, and uh, again, there was always Jewish presence. There was always the authentication of the message. The result was always the unbelievers became believers. Then we get to first Corinthians and the Corinthians had started to kind of mess things up. Well, look at the, the town of Corinth. Oh my goodness. A thousand yeah. prostitutes on the steps. And they had a whole lot of problems at the Corinth church besides uh, spiritual gifts. Yeah. yeah tongues were the last. <laughs> you write two books that sort it out. <laughs> right. And hey, the, you know what? It was really cool. They sort of listened. You they second, did. Yeah. Second Corinthians was like, hey, you, you listen. That's yeah. so cool. So the, they had a humility. They listened. But you go to First Corinthians. And that goes back to what I told you before. You know, man doesn't have a problem believing what man believes. A man doesn't have a problem with what the Bible says. Man has a problem surrendering himself to what the Bible says. Because man likes to be somebody. Got to be somebody. And and the Corinthians, this is what they believed. This is what the word of God said. And then when they saw it, they went, oh, mm -hmm. I need to surrender to it. And one of the problems with the Pentecostal church is they're not surrendering to the, me, the scriptures. Let me pull out a little story. I was in a Pentecostal church in Sweden. I, I've quoted my friend, Shell Anders Iverson, great, great uh, man of God in Sweden. 
And my first yeah, you, trip You there. talked about him in the last podcast. Yeah, yeah. So if he didn't hear this one, he needs to go hear about the Yontalog. Yeah, Shell's the guy that taught me that. And I, we were feeling each other out. I preached in his church numerous times. We flew him over here, preached in our church. He's a wonderful guy. And I asked him, I said, what are the biggest problems in your church? He's Pentecostal. And he said this. He said, my people use tongues as kind of to one up on everybody. And he said, they come in instead of, he's, you know, he goes, if the spirit of God was really leading them, he would be leading them to be submissive and to be, to be servants, not to be, try to uh, be the look most at me. famous. Look at me, look, look at me, at look me. at me. And he said, then sometimes they'll speak in tongues for just, you know, just go on and on and on. And he goes and the unbelievers that we're trying to reach come in here and see this and we scare the living snot out of them. Oh, that takes us back to Corinthians because here's we're crazy. Yep. Verse 23. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say you're out of your mind? Will they not say you're crazy? See, biblical tongues did the exact opposite of that. It drew them to the gospel. It brought them to Jesus. And this says that if you all speak in tongues, will it not, uh, will the visitor not say that you are all out of your mind? What is happening in the Corinth Corinthian church is not what was happening in Acts chapter two. And the result was the exact opposite, which you might guess it was causing, it was causing unbelievers to turn away from the gospel. Yeah, because they're like, well, because it made no sense. So I was, when I lived in North Carolina, I was talking to, I had a friend of mine and we were talking and he was Pentecostal. Uh, his church was about three miles down the road from the church I went to. And we were talking and he's like, uh, yeah, you need, you need to come. I'm like, dude, you speak in tongues, man. I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. And he goes, oh, we don't do it on Sunday morning. We only do it Sunday night. And I go, well, why don't you do it Sunday morning? He goes, cause it freaks people out. And I go, but if it's of God and you can't control it, then why is it all of a sudden you can control Sunday morning? Uh, Just hope that no visitors come on Sunday night and gets freaked out. And then Sunday night you got, and he goes, he goes, I know, I know, but just come and check it out. I go, I'm not interested. I've been blessed to be preach. I did a conference in a Pentecostal church back in my hometown. And I'm telling you, there wasn't, there wasn't a nickel's difference between being in those services and being in my church. We sang the same way, you know, in my church, 25% of the people lift their hands in that church. I think 60% people raise their hands. I'd love to see more people lifting hands and saying, holy hands. hands. And I'll tell you what they received me and there was a, and the spirit of God came in power. You know, here's what's neat. They used to say, well, you don't have the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says you can't even say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. And I've seen yeah, some my, good point. my Pentecostal friends wake up to that. And man, oh man, we are just, we're family now. Yeah. We're family. Well, you know, uh, I've spoken in Pentecostal churches. I've also spoken in uh, Seventh-day Adventist church. I'm going to tell you, I love them and they love me. Do you know why? Because... I didn't go into Pentecostal church and preach on tongues. I went into Pentecostal church and preached on Jesus. Yeah. I didn't go into a seventh day Adventist church and, and talk about how they meet on Saturday and we meet on Sunday. I went in there and Just said, preach Jesus, man, keep the Sabbath holy. And I preached Jesus. You know why? Because they love Jesus and I love Jesus and they're my family and I'm their family. And I, I, if they go to church on Saturday, praise God, they go to church and they love Jesus. Yeah. The, the lifting up of Jesus draws all men, draws himself. all men. And I don't think 
uh, I think we're living in an age where those that really have Christ in their heart, we want to be one. We want to be one. And we yeah. want to be respectful. Yeah. I respect, I have a, a, some very, very godly uh, Pentecostal friends, and uh, I respect them. I, and th- it seems like this is just such a small, and I've had them tell me, this is no deal. This right. is so small. It is no deal except for when it divides. Yeah, and I've now told all them, of a sudden it's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, and I've told them. I said, "Look, I don't want to send uh, fifty of my young people down to one of your meetings and get right. them all." And they said, "Don't worry about that. Will never happen." Right. And and I've kept their word. Right. And and uh, it's so neat when the family of God can love one another, respect one another, because God, when He wrote the scriptures, He knew that there would be dis- differences. But I think our differences don't have to divide us. Our differences can bring out the best in us. Yeah. I don't know where you and I disagree on, on, on anything, but if, if we did, it would be so minor. We'd and, work through it. Yeah, we'd work through it. I would just like, tell you you're wrong and we'd move on. <laughs> and I can handle it because I'm wrong on a lot. I get told that by my wife a lot, you know. And she's usually right, and so right. I don't have yeah. a problem with that. Yeah, and, I have the same problem. But, you know, we, you know it's, it's like this is something where there's, there's, right. there's been a lot of victory on. I'm, right. I'm, I'm proud of that. And, and you're right, though. It's been in the last, I'm, I'm going to say the last 15 years. Yeah, I'd say 15, maybe 20. Maybe 20. Began. And, and yeah. to me, it was that, okay. panic, that Promise Keepers movement. That changed it all. In my view, it. Yeah. it really caused this division right. to just pretty much go away mm-hmm. where we learn to respect one another. Right. I've been to numerous Pentecostal churches and preached in, in many, and uh, they just loved me, and I loved them, and I didn't preach against tongues. But right. there was it. Well, it that's just, why I say you're not going to go in someone's house and then contem- condemn them for the way they keep house no, on, on something that that's up to God to, to take care of. I, I think the spirit has brought some unity in the body on that topic. It's not near as divisive as what it once right. was. But there again, I think that the answer is from scripture. I had a Pentecostal pastor tell me, this is dividing my church. I can't stand. I can't. To get back onto the, to the scripture here, it says, if the whole church comes together in one place and y'all speak tongues, y'all, that's Southern. <laughs> and, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, people that, who don't know God, don't know Jesus. They don't even know the Bible. They come in and they hear you speaking, all speaking in tongues. They're going to think you're crazy. You're out of your mind. You're out of your mind and they won't come back. They'll leave. But in verse 24, it says, but if all prophesy, if all share the gospel and an unbeliever, an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all. He is convicted by all. The Holy Spirit uses that uh, uh, to transcend and let them know that they're they really are, we really are his disciples because we love one another and they see love, they see truth and God accomplishes the purpose of bringing unbelievers uh, to Christ. It was basically Jews that were coming to Jesus by seeing this supernatural gift and what was happening in Corinth wasn't really the same thing at all. It was doing the exact opposite. And this verse you just read is when you do it, just so just explain the gospel, give them your testimony that's what will connect, and that has been the message of the church age. And for from uh, the close of the apostolic era, those sign gifts disappeared. It was the Azusa Street Revival right. meeting. It began in August of 1906, Azusa Street, Los Angeles, California. Dr. James Seymour and Parnham, James Seymour and Charles Parnham. It was a holiness Methodist, holiness Pentecostal, where the Pentecostal movement really began. Uh, one was black, one was white. 
And the phenomena of glossalia is the Greek word, speaking in tongues, kind of reemerged. And it's interesting because it was out of that that the Swedish churches that I preached at really right. were born out of that movement. And Isn't so crazy? there was, you know, I mean, there was a lot of people that really did come to Jesus through that, and it, it spread around the world. That meeting went on for two-and-a-half-year revival meeting. A lot of confusion right. came. And well, so that's where the modern movement began. So it says that, that the guy, if everyone shares prophecy, the guy comes in, he gets saved, verse 25, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all these things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or three. Because now he's given the, the, the listen, formula. Yeah, this is it. This is what it's got to look like. And if it doesn't look like that, it's then not from God. it's not from God. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each That's in turn. Rule number one. And let one interpret. So what you have there, uh, never more than two or, or three. So yep. that's rule. In turn, that means one at a time. And, and then an interpreter. interpreter. There's three rules in that one verse. Verse 28. But if there's no interpreter, let him keep silence. So if somebody's speaking in tongues and there's no interpreter, it's not from God. It's not from it's God. It's plain and simple. So be quiet. Then he goes on. And let him speak to himself and to God. If someone wants to speak to God in tongues, they are to be silent in the church. Do it at home. Because that's what 28 says. If there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. Because he'll confuse people, turn unbelievers away. That's what happens. And this is what this is this is scripture. So why is it that if I don't speak in tongues, and, and this is what the family said. Well, pastor, I love you. And by the way, I love them. There's, there's, and I even said, listen, if I can ever help you in any way, you sure. don't hesitate to yeah. call. Just this yeah, heartbreaking I, divisions among it, the family. That's, that was it. But I said, why is it that if, if you leave because you have a preference and the Bible's clear that that preference shouldn't happen and I'm obeying the scriptures, why is it that we have a problem? The problem isn't what this person believes, and the problem isn't what the Bible says. The problem is this person surrendering what they believe to follow the Bible. Mm -hmm. It's the surrendered hearts, the it's, problem. That's that's kind of a big deal. That's yeah. kind of the bottom line. It is, and they and they even said, "Well, Pastor, I just feel more comfortable in that church because they speak in tongues." And I went, "Okay, I get it. I'm not changing. No, we can't fight over it. No, just, no. Uh, I love you, and I, I hope if you ever need anything, you come back." So. Verse 27, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or three, most each turn, let one interpret. If there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let others judge. If, but if anyone is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one. See, even then there's no uh, uh, craziness. For you can all prophesy one by one. Let all that all may learn and all may be encouraged. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. That was That's a big verse. God is not the author of confusion. That's exactly what was happening at Corinth. I throw in another Swedish example. I, I was in several Swedish Pentecostal churches, and this little church, was running uh, about 12 people for, you know, 30 years. And they had some really sincere, some godly um, men that just knew something was wrong, didn't know what it was. And the providence of God 
couple from their town comes to America. They get saved. They go back, and they, this is the only church in town for miles that preaches anything close to the Scripture. And they went to a prayer meeting, and everybody was rolling around on the floor speaking in tongues. It totally freaked my people out. And they had me come to speak, and the church didn't have me. And I just did home Bible studies, and we had 50 people coming every night for Bible study. And one of their leaders, uh, Berea Cernafel, godly, wonderful. Oh, you'll love this guy. He's awesome. He pulled me aside in the road. Uh, we were we had gotten really close. He came to the Bible studies, and I'll give Duke 10 minutes. And the Spirit of God spoke to him. He's a good man, and he knew something was wrong in the church and didn't know what it was. And it was just what we read in 1 Corinthians. Yeah. They'll think we're crazy. People would hear them speaking in tongues and ride their bike by and hear it and get scared and ride keep faster. On and never, I'll never go there. Those people are nuts. And he knew something was wrong, but he didn't know what it was. And he saw this couple get radically saved, and he knew them since they were children, and he he loved them. And they came to know Jesus in America. And, of course, we weren't, uh, we weren't uh, speaking in tongues. We weren't Pentecostal. And so they were on fire for Jesus, and they were winning people to Christ, but they weren't comfortable in this little church, but they were kind of, trying to make the best of it. So I came over and I was a little nervous about being in Pentecostal church and Harold Henniger, a great preacher among our Baptist fellowships said, just go preach Jesus. Let God sort it out. So I did. <laughs> yes, we got that's over a there. great, great solution. And we <laughs> preached and, and, and many came to Christ. They were just having home Bible studies and Buria pulled me aside. This is a life changer, church changer. He says, I didn't even want to see you. He goes, but out of courtesy for Shelanana and Ali, I, I, I meet you. He goes, God sent you here. Wow. He goes, something's really wrong in our church. I don't know what it is, but you do. He said, God sent you here. He says, what is it? I said, Buria, and I just brought this up. I said, Buria, you scare people. Mm-hmm. You, you scare them away. And he goes, this would require a total change. I said, Buria, I said, if you always do what you've always done. You always get, get what you always got. got. And he said, this would require a total change. So we flew him over. He and his wife it was so sweet. I said, you just need to come and see. And he says, well, I could never afford to come. I said, you didn't listen to me. We're going to bring you over. Nice. And he went and told his wife. And she, I don't speak Swedish. She didn't speak any English. And he told her. And I could, I could understand. It was crazy. Yeah. Sort I could understand. Yeah. And she's like, oh, we could, you know, we, could never, we could never afford it. And then he said, they're going to pay for it. Her face went blank. She looked at me and she started to cry because she was kind of hesitant towards me. And she came and hugged me. And I, I think I almost could hear speaking in tongues, but right. I could hear their heart. <laughs> That's we right. brought him to America for three weeks, and they got to be in a bunch of our churches, and he spoke, and he's a good speaker. He got to see what it was he all about. Vision. He caught the vision, yeah. went back yeah. home, and they embraced it, and that church went from 12 to about 60 uh, in the next two years. Because God blesses that a, stuff. Yeah, man. little village, and, and heaven came down, and a whole bunch of young people got saved, and uh, it was, it was an outpouring of the Spirit of God on a Pentecostal church, and they just kind of put that to the back room, you know? And when they did... The little church split. It went from like 15 to, well, if everybody was there, it'd be 20. About 12 of them went over here and eight of them stayed here and heaven came down on the little group. It's just neat to see when all the craziness goes away and people are humble and without speaking in tongues, a whole bunch of people got saved and a church was lifted up. Yeah, because the difference is when you hear something and understand it, now you can use it. And that little church, Bethel Church, became a model church in Sweden for like the next 10, 15 years. Amen. A lot of the free churches in Sweden, they're not part of the state church. They're independent, self-governing church. The other free churches all had the same experience. They were all dying, just a handful of older people, reaching no younger people. And they started sending their leaders over to Bethel Church to kind of learn. They're having revival there. What What are you guys doing that we're not doing? 
and uh, they learned, and many of those churches kind of got revived and started reaching people as they balance this thing out. Because when you have something going on that's creating division and frightening people, that's not how the Holy Spirit, he draws people. He doesn't push people. We know the truth is that they get frightened because the scriptures say it. It's right there. So guys, I I want you to understand that as we sat down and and talked about this and looked at the scriptures and the passages and explained them, and hopefully we brought clarity. Hopefully we helped you out. We are not condemning any church to teach their own. They're autonomous. You're going to do what you want. We do what we, we do what we do at our churches and people do what they do at their churches. The idea here is I was asked a question about tongues. I wanted to clearly answer the question of tongues. And brother, I, uh, I think good. You always do good, man. You, you're the man. I hang out with some cool people. You are the man. Hey, guys, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to According to John. I'm excited that you're here. If this has helped you, please like, share, subscribe, follow, share it with someone that it may help and that get through on the uh, next week. Hey, God bless you. May you have a wonderful, wonderful week and always follow the Holy Bible.